You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Gutting it out here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. But most importantly, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns, where you can tell me what number ranking campaign has on this Suns roster. How much... How many players are actually better than Campaign? That's what I want you to tell me over at Locked On PHX Suns. Campaign was the star of the 118-117 victory that we are here to discuss. Suns over Portland, moving the Suns one win closer to that big 50 number that they've been chasing for a while now. Also, giving the Suns a one-game, only a one-game lead Utah has over them for the number one seed in the Western Conference. And helping themselves as well in terms of first round seeding by knocking the Blazers out and giving the Lakers a little more legroom here in the chase to avoid the Western Conference play-in game. We'll get into all of that and a bigger update on the standing situation to close out the show as I have been doing for a few days now. I wanted to start with my general observations from this game, though they do start with campaign and uh, just some defensive stuff, some some small ball stuff. Uh, I want to talk about this idea in Suns fans' minds, I think, that this team is sort of holding its cards close, not trying to show too much. I'll, I'll debunk and, and discuss that. And I also want to get into this backup center situation. DeAndre Ayton missed this game with um, uh, his, first, his first absence of the year, and Dario Saric filled in in his place. So... It did not go great, it did not go terribly, but between Kaminsky and Sharich, it was not very pretty, so I'll get into that in the second segment. I also wanted to remind you guys, if you haven't, to check out my show on Thursday, which should be just a bit below where you are right now on your feed. That show was with Mike Prada. We discussed and, and really dove into, dissected each of the top three teams in the West outside of the Suns and how the Suns matched up with them. So that is the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Jazz. Really, really thorough analysis of those teams. So guys, check that out. But let's dive into Cam Payne, the star of the show tonight and a player who surprisingly, uh, actually, it's become less surprising over the course of the season. But if you think all the way back to December, I think we all would have been pretty astounded by the fact that campaign has become the most consistent bench performer on this team, and potentially, aside from Bridges, Paul, and Booker, the fourth most consistent player on the team in general. At least that's really been what he has given this team over the past couple of months. So very, very important that he has stepped up to the plate. I mean, if you if you skip back in the calendar even a little bit further to May, June last year, a full year ago, when this guy was not in the NBA, we didn't even know he was on the Suns' radar, and all of a sudden, uh, now, bubble 
just really, really steps into his own. And then this season, it's it's really looking like the backup point guard of the future, potentially the starting point guard of the future for this team and a two-way, really impactful guy. And so to give you the stats tonight, 21 points, five assists to just one turnover, eight of 12 from the field, three of three from deep, just an excellent, excellent performance. And obviously, for those of you who watch this team day in and day out, you know this is a trend, right? Like I said, it's been a couple of months that he's been playing at this high level. But more than that, there were moments for a long stretch of this game where Payne had actually played more than Paul. And then, you know, Payne left the floor. Paul came on for the about the last six minutes or so. And Paul got ahead of him, finished with 32. Payne played 27, easily the most on this bench. And... That trend has also trickled into lineups where because of Payne's ball handling, because of the fact that he can defend his man and is a good team defender as well, a good steal creator and all of that, and can shoot uh, spot up or, or pull up, mostly spot up, you know, it makes lineups construction easier. And so we've seen these lineups where Paul and Payne are playing together. It's not something I've talked about on the show, so I want to hit it really quickly and I have the numbers for you, and they are pretty insane. So 131 possessions. This is from Cleaning the Glass, and Cleaning the Glass takes garbage time out. So there might be some blowouts where this lineup was on the floor. I'm not sure, but 131 competitive possessions that these two, Paul and Payne, have played together this season. The point differential per 100 possessions, so the net rating, basically, uh, is plus 24.4 per 100 possessions. For context, of of all lineup combos in the NBA, that number is in the 100th percentile, which means basically very, very few lineups, if, if any, have been better than that. Now, only 131 possessions, that's barely more than, you know, it's like a game and a third or a game and a quarter. Um, so it's not as if this is a huge sample. It's not as if it's something that We've seen a ton, but I think I would hazard a guess that that is very much clustered in the past couple of months. And so that leads me to believe we know the playoffs tend to to downsize across the league. We know that you want as much perimeter shot creation as you can get without sacrificing too much of your defense or shooting. So pain is a perfect complement there. And I think the Suns have the positional versatility elsewhere on the floor to make it work. So Paul Payne Booker, that's not a trio we've seen too much. Not enough that cleaning the glass even registers it. I think we've, it has definitely been on the floor. I think you guys would agree. I'm positive we've seen it, but it must have just been so few possessions or maybe it was only in garbage time. I actually don't remember. It's not something I've taken note of specifically. And like I said, haven't talked about it on the podcast before, but those numbers just with Paul and Payne are incredible, and it's easy to see why it's something that works. You saw today, and I'll get in, into this more in the next segment, that the Trailblazers are a perfect example of a team where, yeah, they have some strengths with Nurkic's size, with Cantor's size, as far as being able to control the glass, obviously having a presence at the rim defensively, uh, having guys who can screen for Damon CJ, all of those things, but in the biggest moments of the game, the Trailblazers went to a smaller look. Covington was switching all over the place, had a lot of possessions where he was defending 
Booker or Paul. We saw Norm Powell get in there and do some of that as well. So this was a perfect example of a game where you could see Monty go to Paul Booker, Payne, and then, you know, Bridges and Aiton, or Crowder and Aiton, or maybe Bridges and Crowder in a really small situation. Torrey Craig, obviously, an option there. This goes hand-in-hand with a lot of what I'm going to talk about today, because I also want to hit on the center situation, as well as how the Suns are handling switches, a storyline we've been tracking all season, but one that has been tested a little bit lately. So all of those things get a little easier if you can trust Payne to play big minutes in the playoffs, shoot, defend, and playmake, and he's really been doing all three of those things lately to an extent that I think you can trust him. The numbers bear out that he's been excellent with with Paul, and it's clearly working. He made huge plays in this fourth quarter. A couple of threes, if not all of his threes, came in that final period. He is an energy player. He is a microwave scorer. He is a fan favorite. All of these things that in the playoffs... You're just looking for for excellence on the margins, and I think he gives that to you. So everything is trending in the direction of more of those types of lineups, more campaign overall, and I think the Suns will be better for it. Tonight was a perfect example. More on those other two parts of this contest. The center stuff with Dario, Frank, and Aiton, and Torrey Craig, as well as the Suns handling switching. Right after a quick break, but first... A word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on sports action all across the spectrum. The Triple Crown is in full swing. MLB, NBA, NHL all going on right now. The busiest time in sports and my favorite league starts on Friday when most of you will be hearing this. That's right, the WNBA. The season tips off Friday, May 14th. Again, I'm sure most of you are listening to it on Friday. And I have a bet of the day for you, courtesy of betonline.ag, the Phoenix Mercury, our hometown team. They are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th. Again, WNBA only has 12 teams, and the Mercury are sitting there at 7th best odds to win the title, plus 1,100. This is a team that has the talent to win it any year. The Los Angeles Sparks, nope. The Connecticut Sun, nope. The Mercury at least should be above those two teams, so just from a value play, It is pretty good. You know what Diana Taurasi can do, Brittany Griner can do if you're a Suns fan, and you've been hearing about it for years. Guys, it's a great bet. Go check it out. Go look at all the WNBA stuff on the site. They have game odds. They have futures. All of it right there for you, as well as sign-up bonuses, contest info, and sporting news all day long, live to the website at betonline.ag. While you're there, guys, make an account and put down a little bit of money because when you do and you use the promo code LOCKEDON, you get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, make an account at betonline.ag, make your first deposit, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. A few thoughts on the center situation and the defensive and offensive stylings of the Phoenix Suns right now. Really quick before we get to the standings. I don't actually, I, I, I'm i not going to promise you that it'll be quick. I don't want to say that. But I'll start with Dario Saric. Again, started this game. Aiton was questionable heading in. He was deemed out prior to tip-off. No reason to rush him back. Although, you know, from an outside, outside perspective before the game happened, we could have looked at that game as, this game, as a pretty difficult matchup for not having DeAndre Aiton. And 
I think in some ways it proved to be that, uh, but more so less, less of like, you know, let's match up with Nurkic and Cantor, which is a very easy, the, the, the most simple way to look at it. But what it ended up really being that, that Aiton was missed in is his, his, uh, rim protection, his interior defense. That was where the matchup was bad, but the Suns decided not to chance it. And so, yes, we saw Sharich have to keep up with Lillard and, and McCollum driving to the basket pretty relentlessly. Norm Powell doing some of that as well. And obviously, as in addition, the the rim rolling and, and finishing of Nurkic and Cantor too. So it was a tough task. And I think in a lot of moments, you saw the, the Trailblazers offense take advantage of that. But all in all... It was not a game to remember by Dario whatsoever. He made his first three free throws, uh, first two free throws rather, and then in two separate instances in the final few minutes of this game, he went one for two and then got back to the line when the Trailblazers got into the bonus and missed both and kept this game open, actually allowed the the Portland to take a, a lead at one point, and then if not for Covington missing some free throws and a call going the Suns' way when Carmelo Anthony tried to strip Devin Booker, it very much could have been ugly because of Dario's misses there. Um, so between the defensive stuff and and missing the free throws, as well as he just went 4 of 12 from deep uh, from the field and 1 of 4 from deep, it was just not a great night. Monty Williams was not too hard on him, but admitted that it wasn't his best night. Actually did highlight something that's worth noting here as well, which is Nurkic and Cantor combined for just 16 rebounds, only one offensive rebound by the Blazers as a team, which when you have Cantor in there especially is something that you hope to dominate. Otherwise, there's not a ton of use for Cantor. So credit to Sharich and Kaminsky both for being able to do that. Uh, they combined for 11 rebounds. Kaminsky actually had four offensive boards. I feel like those might have come on some uh, putback misses that he picked up from himself. I don't remember four separate offensive rebounds, but nevertheless, that was the one positive. All things considered, though, four of 18 from the field for these two guys. Again, those 11 rebounds, one of six from deep, a very forgettable night from the Sun center rotation. And so, what I think when I see that is, well, what are we going to do in the playoffs? What is about to happen in these playoffs? Because we can assume DeAndre Ayton will be fine health-wise. I don't think there's any reason to be worried about this injury, but he can't play 48 minutes. And we've seen the limitations of Kaminsky on full display lately against the Lakers, against the Warriors, and in this game. And we've also seen Sharich really just for multiple months now not be able to kick it into high gear and make a real impact he has been inconsistent to put it nicely his defensive improvements that seemingly happened last season into the bubble at the beginning of this year he's not as effective there I don't know if that's because teams are just going at him more often so his job gets a little tougher I'm not sure if it is you know when he's now in a, in a situation playing against more starting level talent that that gets ugly. I don't really know what to make of it, but it's obvious. It's it's glaring. And so that means, you know, Damian Jones is not here, not that he would have been an answer either. And yeah, I think we can expect, I mean, my guess would be DeAndre Ayton might play no more than 36 minutes or so in a playoff series in a playoff game, maybe more in a very uh late 
game five, game six, game seven situation. Maybe in the the final rounds, he's up he's up higher than that. But you don't want to start there, right? So you're going to have to try Sharich or Kaminsky. And here's how I think it might play out. I feel like we will see Aiton. We will see Monty go to Dario as the primary backup. And in in all likelihood, have a pretty quick trigger. Not only because other teams are going to be playing smaller, like we saw with Portland, but you can't afford to lose minutes when, when Aiton's off the floor as badly as the Suns have been. And so... Sharich minus 10 tonight. He was one of the only negative Suns and by far the worst plus minus player on this team tonight. And that's been pretty consistent lately. So you want to go to Torrey Craig as quickly as you can. We saw in third and fourth quarters when Portland downsized that Monty did go to Craig, not honestly as often as I would have liked, although I think he was trying to instill some of that confidence back into Dario, who has been very clearly lacking it. But all in all, I just, uh, I feel worried about what that might look like, and we're not getting a lot of clarity. We're not getting a bounce back from Dario like we may have expected. So that's where things are. We will see against the Spurs if Dario has a couple more opportunities to get it into a better playoff shape. I don't mean physically, I mean the state of his game. And obviously the first round opponent might be not too difficult all things considered, maybe that is a, another opportunity to continue to get back to normal. But I've been saying for weeks now that I feel that Tory Craig might truly be the backup center when it's all said and done come playoff time, at least in the big games against the smaller teams, which we know most everyone in the Western Conference is. So we'll see. Uh, it's something to monitor. Switching and how the Suns are handling it. Just a couple seconds here on this because... I don't have a lot of time left here, but I want to get you the standings update as well for you guys. But what I'll say here is this is the one spot where I do feel that the the, the, the fans and the, the analysts and the bystanders who are looking at this team saying they're not trying. They're not doing 100% of what they can do, what they're capable of, or what they strategically want to do in the playoffs when it comes to handling defensive pressure to these junk defenses that Devin Booker likes to uh, lovingly call them, of course. But that's the one area where I where I can see it. I can see the, the logic in not only the Suns doing that, but I, I think we're seeing some evidence of it. So... You're, you're just not seeing a full... It was something I talked about again. Really go check out that episode with Mike Prada, guys, from yesterday because he talked a lot about this, which is how quickly, how, how rapidly can the Suns move from one action to the next within their offense. That's, to me, what's been lacking, especially when they get into these pressure situations, whether it's double teams like we saw from the Lakers and Warriors, switching like we saw tonight against Portland, or anything in between when those ball handlers, Paul and Booker, are getting guys in their face... We are not seeing the Suns go to plans B, C, and D very quickly at all. And that's, to me, where you really see the lackadaisicalness come out. You're seeing Booker methodically sort of pull the ball out and then, you know, isolate. Sim similar with Chris Paul, you know, getting to his jump shot from three, from mid, whatever it is. And that's just not what we saw. That's obviously not the best way to beat pressure defenses is just to tire yourself out going ISO 15 times a night. That's not going to work come playoff time. We don't, we aren't seeing cutting. We aren't seeing sets that, that kind of negate that we aren't seeing 
um, popping or slipping of screens from DeAndre Ayton. We're not seeing much of any of that, and I think it's because they're not trying to do it. On the other hand, if I'm wrong, if we're all wrong, and they are just struggling that badly against this type of defense, that is a major red flag. And it's not looking pretty from Booker right now. I'm not going to overreact to this game. Four turnovers to just two assists, five of 17 from the field. Not pretty. Not a night you want to see from your best player heading into the postseason. However, he's been pretty solid most nights as a scorer recently, so I don't think it's anything to overreact to. They obviously won this game anyway, but it's not looking good. The process is not really uh, inspiring right now from Booker and this Suns offense. It's not just that he went 5 of 17. It's that the past week or two, it's not been pretty. So we'll see. Um, Just another thing to kind of keep in that mental notebook as you start to think about Suns playoff situations. And of course, as we make our way to game one, which holy crap is not that far away. On that note, guys, I want to give you a rundown quickly of what the playoff situation looks like and uh, some some games to watch and all of that like I have. Uh, we'll do that right after a quick word from Bilt Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever and my favorite protein bar for sure. I am anxiously awaiting a double chocolate 18 pack. Yep, I ordered a replacement for myself. I ran out. I've been... Uh, Pro, very protein heavy. I know I've been telling you guys about that diet for a little while. Not even a diet, just trying to be a little smarter about things. And protein bars are, are obviously an easy way to do that. Built Bar with their low calorie, low sugar options are very perfect for that, which is part of why I love them so much. And that double chocolate favorite is uh, it's right in my wheelhouse. It's not too sweet, you know, first thing in the morning or when you're really, really needing that, that boost. You don't want to have something that's going to, you know, get all over your teeth or something that's going to be way too sweet and bog you down the rest of the day. No, it's not like that at all. It is light. It is easy on the body and it has all that same protein punch and low calorie goodness that a regular built bar has. So to try a double chocolate bar, to try any of these bars, go to builtbar.com, check it out for yourself and use the promo code lock 15 to get 15% off your first order. Again, use the promo code lock 15, 15% off BuiltBar.com. Let's close out the show with some standing stock. Get you ready for your Friday in the NBA. Um, we didn't have a lot of super meaningful Western Conference games in terms of Utah or the Lakers, both being off. So we did see the Clippers on Thursday night beat the Hornets by 23, a, a little bit of a, of a whoop in there. But that's less important to me, guys. I really do not see the Suns losing their grasp on the two seed. If anything, I think it's actually more likely that they get to the one seed. So I'm not worried there. Just to give you that update, though, the Clippers did win. They remain two games behind the Suns in the standings. So again, they do have the tiebreaker. So it's not out. It's not impossible. The Suns would have to lose both. The Clippers would have to win both. I just don't see that happening. Maybe you feel differently. Maybe you have... Uh, the PTSD from the Spurs that our, our guys at the uh, Bright Side of the Sun podcast network like to talk about, but I'm not there yet. I, I'm not too worried. So what we have is basically a similar situation as what we have been monitoring. It's just a little bit tighter. So 
We now have Portland and the Lakers tied in the loss column. Portland does have the tiebreaker over the Lakers, and they have played one more game. So the Trailblazers actually only have one more game this season. They are ahead of everybody else for whatever reason, and so that's tight, right? Um, they play, if I'm remembering correctly, it, I think it might be the Mavericks. No, it's the Nuggets, and that game is on Sunday. So we won't know that for a little while. The Nuggets still have an impetus to win because they could potentially move up to three. They are only one game behind the Clippers, so I would imagine the Nuggets will be competitive in that game. Portland would need to lose that game to fall to seven, and the Lakers would need to win both of their next two games. So let's see who they play. They, if I'm remembering correctly... Yep, that's right. They have the Pacers on Saturday in the first game of a road back-to-back, -back, and then they have New Orleans on Sunday on the second night. So, winnable games. LeBron James figures to be back, although that's been the case for multiple games now. He was supposed to come back against the Knicks, then he was supposed to come back against the Rockets. We will have to see if he actually plays, but even if he doesn't, Indiana and New Orleans are both sub-500 squads. The Lakers just beat the Suns without LeBron James. They should be able to handle both of those. So Portland is playing Denver. They need to win. If they do not, the Lakers have an opportunity if they can beat both the Pacers and the Pelicans to move to that sixth seed, which would obviously avoid, if the Suns stay at two, having to play the Lakers or whoever wins that that play in, but we can assume it'll be the Lakers. So that's where that is in terms of that that five six seven morass, as I've been calling it. Um, and aside from that, so I'm I'm kind of operating as if the Mavericks now with the Blazers only having one game and the Mavericks have two and the Mavericks are a half game up, I'm anticipating Dallas stays at that five spot. So it's going to be Portland or LA in the sixth spot. And then obviously whichever one doesn't make it, they're going to be in the play. -in. So that's that. I am anticipating still that the Suns stay at two. So I'll tell you why there, just so you know, we won't talk again until these games are over. I'll be back with Brandon on Monday. So I want to give you guys everything here um, before we get out of here. What that the 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 reason for that is the Utah schedule. Um, as much as I would be excited to see the Suns get this one seed, Monty Williams even kind of had to admit to himself, like he had a quote in the post game after this uh, Trailblazers game that they have not looked at the standings all season. But then in the next breath, he admitted to the obvious of, "Hey, it would be awesome if we could get the one seed." So I'm I'm right there with him, but. The reality here is that Utah plays a cake schedule. The Suns have to beat the Spurs twice. And uh, actually, I guess they could potentially, if they won one of two and the Jazz lost both, that's an option because they have the tiebreaker. But regardless of what the Sun side of things is, Utah plays Oklahoma City and Sacramento. That is their, their schedule. The reason we've been saying for months now after the post-All-Star break schedule was released that Utah had things so easy is exactly this. They are closing the season on a 
back-to-back against two of the more woebegone franchises in the NBA uh, right now. So Oklahoma City clearly not trying to win a game at all. They'd prefer to lose as many as they can. And Sacramento uh, officially not going to make the playoffs. They have uh, been eliminated. So that actually kind of scares me. I mean, Sacramento, if I'm Utah, Sacramento seems like a team where they're not going to bench guys. They have so much of a need to just maintain their dignity. I don't think they'll just rest players. So they could actually be scrappy, try to end the season on a high note. Oklahoma City, I just have a hard time imagining a, a pathway to victory for that team. So then you're talking about splitting. Can one of these teams split and the other one either Phoenix could split and the Jazz could lose both, which seems very unlikely, or the Jazz could split, lose one, win one, and the Suns could win both. And they would gain a game, finish tied with Utah in the standings, and that tiebreaker would come into play. That's probably the route that I'm expecting, which or that that I would be hoping for if I'm, you know, wanting the Suns to win the the one seed is Utah slipping against Sacramento, a, a a not terrible Sacramento team, right? They're they're a decent squad. They can get up for games, and then the Suns beating Sac- San Antonio in both, and that's probably the best route. I don't see the the Utah Jazz losing to the Oklahoma City Thunder in any reality. So the Suns are going to have to just plan on winning both of these games and hoping that Utah slips, uh, and if not. You cross your fingers that that the Lakers can take care of business and that Denver can beat Portland because you I still think no matter what we are wondering about LeBron James's health or any of that, you do not want to play the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round. So if you can get Memphis, Golden State, San Antonio at that eight spot by moving to one, then you're in such a better spot. So that's what to watch for this weekend. That is what to root for this weekend. We will be back with you right first thing Monday morning. Might even do it post-game after the Spurs game. I'm not sure. If, if that game gets out of hand, if things really get wonky in the standings, Brandon and I might come to you right away. Otherwise, it'll be Monday morning, so be on the lookout for that. And We can really start to finally talk about the playoffs in a real way and look at some award stuff too, I'm sure. So enjoy the weekend, guys, and look forward to that right on the other side.